But the other currency is time. Yeah. And time is actually more precious. We can't get more of it. We can't buy it. Right. But we spend it with more frivolity than we do money in yes. many cases. And that's, that's I think, what I would, would urge is like, how are you spending your time? And our, I think that's a great way to put it. Put it. Are you paying yourself first? You are now connected with Enclave for Entrepreneurs at O'Hare International Airport in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Enclave O'Hare, the local to global learning and earning center for entrepreneurs and their influencers. On Wednesday, November 20th, 2019, Enclave members and guests alike came together to hear from subject matter expert Rocky Clancy. We discussed the evolving consumer demands, driving change in financial institutions and entrepreneurial ventures alike. Rocky joined us for the second time in Founders Hall to help us read, ride, and make waves in turbulent seas of change. Let's tune in. Hi, I'm Rocky Clancy. I um, am currently a teacher at Lake Forest Graduate School of Management, yep. uh, marketing and strategy. Um, work with our Center for Leadership program, which is going to individual um, corporate clients and running workshops and things like that. I am an advisor to several startup companies, primarily fintechs, mm -hmm. and I work at or help at 1871 um, and the Charlotte Fintech, um, what they call the Queen City uh, Fintech Incubator. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how I keep busy. Speaker at Enclave, this is number two for you. Right. Yes. And uh, uh, former executive at uh, J.D. Power. Correct. Excellent. Well, uh, glad to have you back and we'll we'll dive right into it. But for the most part, tonight was about well, overall was promote about promoting financial health. Yes. But I really like the way and I think it's important for the folks listening to this to also kind of go down this road of why we're having this conversation in the first place and then kind of how that matters very much to uh, entrepreneurs or influencers and, and the folks that are working for these people. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me that you that you mentioned, and I'd like you to elaborate on this, is the, the business roundtable has refined the purpose of corporations. Right. And I'll let you go ahead and elaborate. So on really that. a seismic shift forever, yeah. you know, since I've been in business school far too long ago. <laughs> and um, any company I've worked at, while we uh, I've, I've talked about the three-legged stool being customers, employees, and shareholders. Mm -hmm. It always, the shareholder leg of the stool was always longer because our purpose was mm -hmm. to create value for shareholders. Yep. And the the business roundtable very recently, and it the, the a leading indicator of that was Larry Fink of BlackRock, CEO of BlackRock, has been the last couple of years writing in his letters to CEOs about the importance of social responsibility. Mm -hmm. So the roundtable has put out a new statement of purpose that essentially says we're in business to create value for and enrich the, the lives of all our stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So our customers, our employees, the communities we serve, the suppliers that we deal with, and of course our shareholders. Mm -hmm. The notable thing for shareholders is the inclusion of a long term value. Right. So this idea that shareholders 
are critical because they supply the capital mm -hmm. that allows innovation and growth and the ability, you know, for companies to do what they do. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a long-term thing. Right. It's not to create, you know, quarter-to-quarter -quarter, uh, value. Absolutely. And we sh you shifted that conversation to the financial services industry, which you have a tremendous amount of experience in and are still very much involved in. And it's been shifted from financial services to financial health. Can you talk it, about it, that? It, I, I think that you have a, a couple of trends. So this idea of social responsibility and with that focus on sustainability and the environment and the governance of companies to make sure that they're doing the right thing. All of those forces are kind of, or trends are kind of conflating. And financial health is, is, move, is, is, is one of the threads that's running among those. Mm -hmm. The idea of financial services firms moving from focusing on their, the profitability of their customers, mm -hmm. meaning the profitability to them as financial services providers, mm -hmm. and shifting that focus to the financial health of their customers is a concept that has, that is being um, brought into focus, that is being crystallized. The financial health network here in Chicago playing a huge role in that, but we're still at the early stages. We're very much at the educational and the awareness stages, um, and we've got a while to go before that is translated into reality. Yeah. And, you know, social, um, you know, responsibility and all those kind of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all in business here and there's going to be a reason why we need to make a shift in that change. And a lot of that was a lot of the data and statistics that you shared around the financial wellness of customers or employees. Can you share some of the stats that kind of top, you know, that you think of that are like, wow, this is why we're making this shift. Well, I mean, the simplest way to do this is to sort of say we're in business to make money and we will do things that make us effective at making more money. And hopefully there will be no collateral damage to our customers, employees, or the communities we serve. It's a shift over to say we're going to do the right thing. We are going to add value. We are going to contribute to the world that we live in. The profits that we generate are going to be the lifeblood that keeps that contribution going. And part of that lifeblood has to be given back to the shareholders mm -hmm. that are giving us the capital in the first place. Right. But that's not going to be our primary focus. So I think it's just that shift kind of to we're going to do the right thing. And in doing so, mm -hmm. for customers that are financially healthier, they're going to carry bigger deposit balances. Mm -hmm. They're going to have fewer credit losses. They are going to feel the love or they're going to feel the, you know, their financial provider has their back, which should increase retention, should increase, you know, loyalty, advocacy. The next product they think of purchasing, whether that's going to be a mortgage or car loan, they're going to think of their bank. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of financial benefits that are, that accrue, um, you know, to focusing on the financial health. Um, likewise with employees. We're not here to gouge the customers to make money. We're here to do something that's noble. Right. If our customers 
our financial health. That's what I want for myself. Mm-hmm. That's what I want for my family. I've talked to employees that have tried to explain to customers why they've been charged a $40 overdraft fee. And they can't explain it. <laughs> it's inexplicable. Well, I mean, and I, it's indefensible from the employee's standpoint. Right. Now you're putting them in a position to say, we're here really to help you. Yeah. And it and it, and it just adds a, a totally different sense of purpose and meaning to the work that the employees are doing. Yeah. I think that's probably more critical than, than the, the benefit to the customers. Yeah. Is giving the employees the sense that we are doing the right thing, we serve a noble cause, mm-hmm. and my work has meaning. And by the way, with all of that, all the things you shared around that in regards to when clients are in a position where they feel more financially healthy, it, they're easier to service, right? I mean, there's there was a tremendous amount of data in relation to long-term, they're going to be a better client regardless. Right. I mean, the lifetime value based on retention, yeah. higher to higher basically in banking yeah you look at duration of the relationship Mm -hmm. you look at the deposit balances that you're using to lend money out Uh and you're looking at credit losses right i mean those are the things that tend to drive the levers of profitability yeah and financial health moves all those levers in a positive direction yeah financial institutions or people that employ people um one of the stats that you threw out there that really stuck out to me was only 29% or about 13 million people basically identify and have filled out a survey saying that they feel financially healthy based off of different metrics. And that's driving a lot of this conversation, correct? Yes. Can you dig into that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the so the Financial Health Network has devised a financial health score mm-hmm. that really has four components to it. It has a spending component, how much money do you spend, mm-hmm. how much do you save, how do you go about borrowing and what are your your debt levels? What's your comfort there? And your planning. So, mm-hmm. you know, your overall planning and particularly planning with respect to unforeseen risks, which is where insurance comes in. Mm-hmm. Taking their metrics and sort of saying, if I'm scoring on the positive end of each of those, mm-hmm. on average, I would be considered financially well off or financially healthy. Right. And it's only a third of the, you know, it's about it's about 30% yep. of, of the population. When you consider we are in the longest economic growth cycle Ever since, we've been, since we've been tracking, uh, uh, around the lowest unemployment, you kind of scratch your head and say, shouldn't we be doing better than that? Now, admittedly- Or at least a larger percentage doing yeah, better. You've got about 55% in the middle mm-hmm. that are- Coping and mm-hmm. and the term that the FHN or Financial Health Network is using um, financially coping reflects the fact that while I'm good on some of those four dimensions, in one of those or more of those areas, I am not where I would like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, you have the the remaining fifteen or so percent that are struggling in multiple of those characters categories. Yeah. I think the big significance is, is when, I mean, we've been talking about, hey, there's a positive benefit to the financial services providers Mm -hmm. when they're, you know, when their customers are financially healthier. Um, But for individuals in terms of physical, mental, emotional health, there's a strong relationship. I mean, um, 
healthcare providers have, have long understood the relationship between physical health and financial health mm -hmm. in terms of particularly because of the stress involved with financial difficulties, you know, depression levels, anxiety, things along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, and then it has a sort of a uh, <clears throat> self-reinforcing effect. Right. As I get more stressed and as I get more depressed, I'm less able to manage effectively my finances, which make those worse and which deepen my anxiety right. and so on and so forth. Right. And, and we're here at the Enclave, so this is all about entrepreneurs, right, and the, and the individuals that are running these groups. So can you share not only on that aspect of it and wanting to deliver, whether it be teaming with a financial institution or being able to deliver that directly, you know, themselves to their employees, then also the, the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that go through with their own insecurities as it relates to, man, I'm right on the cusp here of, am I going to make it? Am I not going to make it? Those kind of things as it relates to finances, but then also their, the individual. So let's sort of cut that in two parts. So I'll like take that. one and then you can say, okay, we're done with that <laughs> and, right. and re-ask. But the first part, as it relates to their employees and even their customers, mm -hmm. part of it is simply the awareness and some degree of intentionality and purposefulness around, huh, financially healthier customers, whether I'm running a bank, mm -hmm. whether I'm running a uh, an auto dealer, mm -hmm. whether I'm running a retail shop, people that are financially healthier are going to be better, more consistent, more reliable customers. Mm -hmm. There's going to be less spikes in spending, mm -hmm. you know, less feast or famine when I've got those customers. So if I'm, I have a, a shop that sells cookies, eh, I'm not sure how much impact I can, I can have. If I'm an auto dealer, helping clients think through is, is this really affordable? Right. As opposed to going, what are you talking about? I'm going to get them in as much car as I can get them <laughs> yeah. in. Every feature and benefit. Yeah. Instead, be thinking what you know what's going to be best for this customer because ultimately that's going to impact you know how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their situation, and I was going to say over the long term, even in the short term, how do they feel about me? Yeah. If I've got a seven year you know loan and I'm underwater for the first five years. Mm -hmm. eh, who am I looking at to saying, who who helped me make this decision? Yeah. And it certainly wasn't the car dealer. It was, I put myself in the shoe, but they sort of, um, they, 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 they didn't hold me back. They really gave me a push. Well, to, yeah, to they, either, they either guided me there or certainly didn't avoid me from going there. So there's the, the customer component to it, but the employee component is really important. It's like, because there's a lot that employers can do. One of the things that we have seen in the data is that financial services firms, as much as they can be aware, they are in an ideal position to provide tools, to provide education to their customers. Mm -hmm. They are struggling mm -hmm. with this. The, the actual number of customers, the percentage of customers that are using those tools and taking advantage of the, the education. And by the way, when they do, they're highly satisfied, they're good results but it's a very small percentage. Mm -hmm. So they have a long way to go in, in A, making customers aware of it, that they're, they're offering these. B, getting customers to trust 
that they're doing it for the benefit of the customer. Right. It's not some side angle that they're running right. to make more money from them. Yeah. What's the catch here? To the degree that an employer can help with in a partnership with a financial services company, with a local insurance agent, provide that education mm-hmm. as an honest broker, where it's like, my employer's not getting anything from this. Mm-hmm. They're doing this for me. Right. I think the opportunity and I think an avenue for the banks to more effectively get this education across is using it, using local employers as the distribution point. Because I think that information is going to be taken um, without sort of a, a voice in the back of their head saying, eh, are they doing it because it's good for me or because it's good for them? Because historically, mm-hmm. the truth is, it's most often been for them right, and not for me. Yeah. So that's sort of the end of the the sort of the customer and employee side of things. Yeah. And then as it relates to the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur himself. I mean, I think one of the things that we at at the Enclave have been trying to do is while we know we are clear on the relationship and in the presentation we kind of talked about a pyramid with the with the first base of that pyramid being personal well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, are you taking care of yourself physically? Are you taking care of yourself emotionally, spiritually, mentally? Mm-hmm. Are you good? Yeah. If that foundation is in place, you then layer on top of that your judgment. And as we talked about, judgment is a process mm-hmm. that, that includes um, collecting information, making a decision, and acting on that. Mm-hmm. If people by understanding their innate interpersonal skills mm-hmm. can leverage those by amplifying their strengths and sort of managing and and mitigating their weaknesses improve their judgment they're going to be in a position where they 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 are going to be much more likely to have the characteristics that uh denote a successful entrepreneur which are uh, a strong level of resilience, mm-hmm. um, uh, strong relationships, mm-hmm. and then the third one is now the sh- That's all right. my mind, You're but good. in any event. Don't worry about it. Um, I'll tell you that it, it's so, it, it's refreshing to come in here, and one of the things that we talked about tonight was how this environment that we're in, you know, there's incubators and there's all those other things that'll help you invest in the business side of things. It's so refreshing to hear folks like John Dallas and and Dr. Morrison's, uh, the Dr. Morrison share the the conversations and yourself, all the experience that you have in meeting with these people and what it really comes down to and what you just said about that that pyramid is that personal well-being and the one you had above that, I actually wrote it down here, is judgment. Above that is resilience, um, you know, relationships, then financial health, then profitable growth. Right. And the, the beauty or the opportunity that financial health represents mm-hmm. is that as a metric, right, is that we have long been trying to say, what is a, what does good look like? Yeah. What does success look like? Yeah. And um, it's been a challenge because I can look at growth, mm-hmm. but it might not be profitable growth. Mm-hmm. I can look at number of employees, but it's the duration of the company. Right. You can have companies that are doing great for three years, 
but then fail in their fourth year. Yep. So being able to find that metric that really connotes uh, or, you know, sort of characterized success has been difficult. Financial health is kind of a common denominator that also is applicable to businesses of all size and all types, mm -hmm. um, but it's a common metric. Mm -hmm. And we think using that, we can, from, from a research standpoint, start to say, here are the measures of judgment. Mm -hmm. Here are the measures of physical and emotional health. Mm -hmm. And when we look at those, you know, here is the relationship between strength in those and strength in financial health. Mm -hmm. And once we're able to start doing that, we can start to isolate and, and essentially communicate to people, these are the things that are, that are important. Mm -hmm. If you don't take care of yourself, your likelihood of failing as a small business goes up by X percent. Yeah. So instead of talking about it anecdotally or experientially, we can talk about it, you know, using hard data. Right. And so we would, think that's a huge opportunity. Absolutely. What would you say to the entrepreneur? You know, she's she's out there, she's grinding away, and she feels like, man, I don't have time to really look into this personal well-being and, and the judgment because I'm just trying to please all these folks that are my clients, my employees, um, the folks that are, you know, um, investing in my business, all those kind of things to put a kind of bow on this. What would you say to that person in relation to that? It is, I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, I mean, reality check, and it's a balancing act. Yeah. And there's stuff that, you know, there are going to be periods that you are going to grind through. I mean, yeah. the idea like going, hey, don't be pulling all-nighters. I mean, this <laughs> is in college. Right. 70, 80 hours a week isn't healthy. Yeah. It's, it may not be. Right. Um, but it, it, in some cases, it's going to be necessary. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there are certain things. You pay your employees when you're supposed to pay them or they don't work for you much That's longer. That's right. Yeah. When a customer calls you, you get back to them. Right. When your investors want to report, you do it. Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to force yourself to wedge into your schedule that same sort of discipline mm -hmm. of taking care of yourself. Right. I used to say working at a bank when we would have, you know, in terms of customer care and things like that, where we might struggle in a branch to deliver consistently. It's like every day we turn on the alarms and turn them off. Right. Every day we open and shut that vault. Yeah. Every day we balance the money. Right. There's certain things that we do, you know, regardless of whether things are up and down, we always have the same credit committee approving loans in the same way. Mm -hmm. We need to ingrain those must-haves yeah. that all small businesses currently have mm -hmm. and are managing against and, and squeeze in the time for ourselves. That's right. Um, there's a, a very natural tendency to say, I will get to it as soon as right. I get around the corner. Yeah. And that corner never comes. Right. We just keep coming to another corner. It, and at some point, it catches up. And and to tie it into financial health, at least, you know, the advice that you hear over and over again is, you know, make sure that you pay yourself first, right? Like, put it into a vehicle, put it into savings, whatever it may be, and a consistent basis to stay financially healthy. Well, if we're going to keep our judgment in ourself healthy too we need to take some time for some self that's a great way to put it i mean there's two commodities that we often talk about yeah. in the the entrepreneurial or in the business space it's usually that commodity um the currency is money right but the other currency is time 
Yeah. And time is actually more precious. We can't get more of it. We can't buy it. Right. But we spend it with more frivolity than we do money in yes. many cases. And that's, that's I think, what I would, would urge is like, how are you spending your time? And are, I think that's a great way to put it. Put it. Are you paying yourself first? Right. Pay dividends all the way down, right? Yep, yep. Excellent. Well, Rocky, thank you very much. Thank you. As you make waves in your respective industry, constantly challenge yourself as it relates to this question. What does great look like? Understanding different key metrics like your customers' and employees' financial health may not be top of mind. But as we say here at Enclave, people first, venture second, and profits third. For more information on our third Wednesday of every month masterclass in applied metacognition, please visit enclaveforentrepreneurs.com.